0.5 in Japan is up about 0.1%. Over in South Korea, the Cosby has risen half a percent at the open. And here in Hong Kong, uh, trading will get going in an hour's time. Futures markets indicating the Hang Seng will add about 100 points at the open. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil is trading at $43.28 a barrel. And gold is at $1,951 an ounce. That's it for me this week. Have a great weekend. Do please come back on Monday morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk. Back chats coming up after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Andrew Work. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy, occasional rain, a few squally thunderstorms. The maximum temperature is going to be about 30 degrees. Occasional heavy rain and squally thunderstorms during the weekend and then still a few showers early next week. Temperature right now out at the observatory is 28 degrees and it's 91% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.31, here's Pierre Tremblay with the half-hour news. Justice says it's lodging an appeal against the acquittal of Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai two weeks ago over accusations of criminal intimidation by a reporter from a rival newspaper. Todd Harding reports. The Oriental Daily reporter claimed to have been scared by Mr Lai telling him he would find someone to mess him up at the June the 4th vigil three years ago. But he also admitted he'd been tailing the tycoon since 2014. In finding Mr Lai not guilty, a West Kowloon magistrate said the prosecution had failed to prove that his remark was aimed at causing alarm. He also said the reporter had not been an honest or reliable witness. The Justice Department gave no reasons for its bid to try to overturn the judgment, citing ongoing legal Legal proceedings. Jimmy Lai also faces trials over two illegal assembly charges. The number of officially recorded COVID-19 cases across the globe has reached almost 30 million. According to figures from Johns Hopkins University at the United States, more than 940,000 people worldwide have died with the disease since it first emerged in China late last year. The worst affected countries remain the United States, India and Brazil, but there's been a surge in positive test results across Europe in recent weeks. The WHO's director for Europe, Dr. Hans Kluger, said governments need to guard against complacency. The vaccine is very important, but for me, most important is that we learn how to live with the virus in the community. So in that sense, we have to find new ways of being social. We need governments to step up leadership is number one. And number two, we need a society, a whole society approach, really. Scientists say they've found a new way of measuring ocean warming using sound waves from undersea earthquakes. The team looked at sonic data from the Indian Ocean emitted by tremors. The BBC's Matt McGrath has more details. Recording accurate temperature data from the vast deep oceans is a difficult task. But now researchers believe that tracking sound waves generated by undersea earthquakes could give them a better understanding of how climate change is heating the seas. Using information from around 4,000 tremors that occurred over a 10-year period in the Indian Ocean, the scientists recorded how the sonic waves sped up as the sea warmed. The new approach promises better temperature readings from down in the depths of the waters. This is seen as a vital area of research, as around 90% of the heat trapped by greenhouse gases is absorbed by the seas. The Portuguese government has approved legislation to reorganize office hours as part of efforts to curb the spread of COVID-19. Certain companies with more than 50 employees will be obliged to introduce staggered hours for entering and leaving the workplace with an interval of at least half an hour between them. Next news at nine.
Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverson, your co-host today. Andrew Work. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today, will there still be a made in Hong Kong? The Hong Kong government has written a letter to the US Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer saying Washington is infringing WTO rules and rights of Hong Kong as a separate customs entity by enforcing made-in-China tags for goods produced here. In August, Washington issued a notification that all goods made in Hong Kong and exported to the US will need to be labelled as made-in-China. What, then, is the future, if any, for the made-in-Hong-Kong label? Hong Kong-made shipments, according to Edward Yao, were worth just 3.7 billion Hong Kong dollars in 2019, less than 0.1% of the city's gross exports. What actually is still made here, does it matter? Do you join us uh, with your thoughts, your questions and your comments, please. Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Our telephone number 233-88266. Or you can email backchat at rthk.hk. We'll read out your messages. And uh, after 9.15, we're going to be talking about the new Japanese Prime Minister, Yoshihida Suga, and uh, what's on his plate. Joining us for our first topic, we're going to be talking in a moment to uh, Felix Chung from the uh, Liberal Party, the textiles and garment sector lawmaker, and uh, Simon Wong, who's chairman of the Campery Group, a company based in, in Hong Kong. We'll be hearing about um, all that and also a local beer manufacturer joining us and some more commentators. Um, just before we get to today's topic, just a few more comments uh, related to the discussion uh, yesterday, uh, which was uh, about uh, language learning, learning Chinese uh, for, for non-Chinese speakers. Uh, Phil C says, hats off to Backchat for devoting time to this issue. It's likely not on most people's radar, but it's fundamental and importance to the least powerful in Hong Kong society. The standard of education to minorities is also a barometer of the progressiveness of values in Hong Kong. Regrettably, the SAR's current Stalinist government's interests run in completely opposite direction to protecting fundamental human rights and propagating the Cantonese language. Carrie Lam and her cronies are all about disabling, not enabling. They have displayed no concern about alienating and marginalising a majority of the local adults within the SAR. What interest could they possibly have with the development of a poor Pakistani child in our midst? That is from Phil C. And uh, Jay says, you didn't read out the part that I wrote uh, about the television channels. The television does not put on good educational programmes for children and parents to learn Cantonese. They are only interested in Mandarin and uh, English. And uh, V says, my friend is a Filipino in her 50s who was born in Hong Kong. She never learned to speak Cantonese, though she understands what we say. Um, she can survive here and has developed uh, a good career. That, uh, observation. Thank you very much in, indeed for that. Um, Simon Wong, uh, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed, for, for, for joining us now. First of all, t a little advert. Uh, tell us about the, the group, the Campery Group. What, what do you produce and where do you sell it? Well, Campery Group uh, produce coffee and tea products. Uh, we roast coffee for uh, cha cha tans in Hong Kong and also for um, uh, hotels and fast food chains. And uh, we also produce uh, a brand called Dai Pai Dong, uh, which is uh, a well-known well uh, local brand, um, which comprises of uh, three-in-one products of coffee, tea, and uh, some other products. So our products also export to, um, well, we are not only selling in Hong Kong, but also uh, our products are also selling in the mainland China and also to uh, Southeast Asia and also uh, to Europe and as well as to North America, including the United States and Canada. Okay, and, and Simon, what are your big markets in the United States? Well, 
products to the East Coast and West Coast. Mm. Um, you know, the, uh, where the, uh, many the Chinese uh, uh, well live there. And um, so in, well, about uh, 25 years ago, we have been selling our products to uh, to the United States. And um, well, it, it, well, because of the name of the our product, Tai Pai Dong, which is uh, a genuine name for for Hong Kong people, mm. and um, uh, this brand has been in the market for many years. Uh, so, uh, like uh, uh, as you said um, uh, in your introduction, that uh, the U.S. government is announcing the uh, Made in uh, China issue, and for us, uh, of course, uh, we might be a little bit affected by this kind of. Um, you know, unilateral uh, announcement by the U.S. government, which is which I think is uh, totally unacceptable. Uh, but for us, uh, since we have been in the U.S. market for uh, more than 20 years, and our products have been known to the Chinese community in in the states, and uh, they recognize our brand as um, as much as. Um, uh, well, they actually don't care about uh, where the, the products were made, uh, either in Hong Kong or uh, you know some of our products are uh, OEM in the other countries, like in uh, Sri Lanka, in Malaysia, uh, in China, and uh, in, in and in other in, in other places. So, uh, for us, if uh, the government uh, imposed this kind of uh, well, I would say illegal uh, law uh, to the Hong Kong uh, companies. Uh, I, well, it it would affect to the, some people or some uh, companies that uh, do a lot of uh, uh, business with U.S. Uh, but for us, the, our overall market um, is not. It, well, uh, it, it, in the states, we only have about four to five percent of our market. Uh, but, but but your product is yeah. is supposed to be a Hong Kong product, isn't it? It's like you know, it's calling it Dai Pai Dong and selling um, selling you know coffee and tea and so on. Yin Yang is is it's a Hong, a strong Hong Kong identity. Does yes. does it matter then? Where does it make any difference whether it says made in Hong Kong or made in China? Do you think Are you saying that people don't really care? Well, a few years ago, we uh, did encounter this kind of. Um, questions or situation uh, when we, uh, well, you see, we have a plant in uh, China, and then uh, we ship our products to uh, the United States, um, where our products are made in China. Uh, but then uh, we uh, encountered some opposition from our buyers, uh, because uh, at that time, uh, the uh, well, chi Chinese products uh, doesn't have a good name on um, especially in food products, right? Was that, was that uh, during it, the, mel the melamine scare when, when there was a rash that's, of that's Chinese right. food? Yeah. 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 They, well, there, there is a lot of uh, food safety issues, and uh, we have to uh, change back to um, our products made in Hong Kong uh, to, in, uh, well, to set up our, <coughs> our production facilities here locally uh, just for the, the overseas market. Uh, because like in uh, well, back in in few years ago, uh, not only the United States, but also like countries in Australia, in New Zealand, um, 
you know, uh, or even in Canada, they also, uh, you know, suggest to us that you know they they would not sell products coming from China because they are unsafe. Uh, mm. So we have to uh, set up our facility in Hong Kong. And, and what what about now? What what would it make any difference now? Do you think? No. No difference. There's, there's virtually no difference uh, at this moment mm. because uh, our brand has been well established um, uh, in in the U.S. market, and uh, people recognize our brand instead of um, trying to uh, pick out uh, where the product is from. But when you see that, you know, in in the United States, so I've been traveling to to the states for many times, and you know, I virtually uh, well, I and I actually have been uh, living there for a few years, and uh, I uh, I see that there are a lot of um, products uh, made in China, products uh, including garments, including you know, toys, and many things. You know, uh, they they are products uh, you know made uh, made by made in. China and uh, people just you know don't care about that you know the, if uh, the if the U.S. government is imposing this kind of um, illegal act and I think it's not necessary. Okay, until well, there's a big food scare in China again. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go to Felix Chung now, the leader of the Liberal Party. Good morning to you, Mr. Chung. Thank, Hello, thanks morning, for, for joining us once again. Uh, what, what do you think about this? Does it uh, you know what impact would it have in in Hong Kong? Is it uh, does it matter if there's no more made in Hong Kong? It does seem a shame, I've got to say, at the very least. No, no, uh, it's actually very misleading. Uh-huh. I mean, um, United States, well, the whole world's got 190-something countries, and there's only one country in the United States saying that uh, we want to change Hong Kong to mean China. Mm-hmm. And the other 190-something countries still do not, they, they do not have this requirement. So a lot of people thought, when Americans say there's no more meat in Hong Kong, there's only meat in China. People thought there's no more meat in Hong Kong. This is not true. I mean, apart from, apart, apart from exporting products from, from Hong Kong, um, that we have to change the label to the United States. Everywhere in the world, we can still have meat in Hong Kong. We still can have meat in Hong Kong to Europe, to Asia, to Japan, to Australia, to everywhere in the world. So you'd have two, you'd have two labels. You'd have a different label for the American market? Just for the American market. Okay. And, 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 yeah. and of, of course, there's little in, uh, implications, but it just psychologically thought a lot of people thought. Otherwise, the Americans say there's no more meat in Hong Kong. There's no more meat in Hong Kong. There's no more meat in Hong Kong. This is not true. And we still have meat in Hong Kong to other countries in the world apart from America. And how are people adjusting? Are they writing in 14-point font? You know, made in Kowloon, Hong Kong, and then in tiny six-point font underneath. Made in China, you know, which is also part of China. <laughs> you know, are they, are they, are people adjusting to this? Are they making changes? Like, what are you hearing from your constituents? Well, of course, no. of course, no. Of course, no. I mean, mm. uh, if you want to say that, of course you can say that. But I mean, sure. the, the reality is, made in Hong Kong is a brand that's happening for 50, 60, 60 years now, and it represents good quality, good credibility. I mean, there is a story behind that. It's not as simple as being yeah, so but I'm, Hong Kong is a brand. I mean, but if, this is purely for labeling, right? This doesn't affect tax treatment. It doesn't affect quotas and things no, like no, that. No, actually, it's yeah. not. Okay. This is another misleading 
situations. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is, I, I don't understand how the U.S. government make the decisions when when they claim that from twenty uh, fourth September everything making Hong Kong have to change the label to be in China. But of course, they make an extension until ninth uh, of November. Mm-hmm. So the the other thing the the other thing is um, there's no tariff difference. Right. What I, what do I mean is terribly different is now if you make in China the the, re, the product is really made in China they the the tariff going into United States is different from made in Hong Kong mm-hmm. but even though now the the U S government requests us to change the label from made in Hong Kong to made in China if we have the country of origin certificate um, certifying the product is made in Hong Kong we are still use, paying the Hong Kong import tariff, which is different from being China's tariff. So th- this is not going to that funny. Yeah, this is not going to impact the chambers of commerce that there, have there, a certificate of origin no, program. No impact at all in terms of tariff um, position. Of course, what the Americans will say is, well, you what you want to be treated, you want to stress the fact that uh, Hong Kong is part of China. Okay, well then you be treated like part of China, and you should you should be your product should be labeled in the same way. Well, this is this is their theory. Is this, well, which is, well, is yeah. this the, well, what's your reaction to it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, I, I represent the Texan government industries. Because of the trade dispute in the last two years, certain textile companies moved part of the production line back to Hong Kong in order to avoid the additional tariff. But now they just simply move back the production line back to China. We already have the production in China. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't affect us that much. Certain manufacturers that already invest in the production line in Hong Kong, they may suffer a little bit, but overall for the industries, we, 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 there, there's no effect at all because uh, okay. we, we simply... Yeah, we simply, I mean, I was asking really about the, the, the logic. The logic is that you want to be treated like China. Okay, we'll treat you like China. And then people complain when they're treated like China. So it doesn't seem... You can see why the Americans do it. But actually, uh, as, I, as I said... If, we, if the product be in Hong Kong, they're, we, they're charging us the same Hong Kong import duty rate. They're not charging the Chinese import duty rate. Even the label is, is claiming being in China when we make in Hong Kong. So, so it, it sounds complicated. Well, yeah, them. but they might respond by just charging the same rate as China. Yeah, I mean, is this... Is well, this they, of course, yeah. they can do If you're them, just charging them with inconsistency... When you ask if there is any implication, there's not much. Is, is this a warning shot? I mean, this, as, this is a cosmetic move. As you said, it doesn't affect tariffs. It doesn't affect quotas. But is this the American saying, this is, this is the warning shot. Next, next thing we'll do is put Hong Kong in with China for tariffs and quotas. Do you see that coming? Well, well you, you, you know, when when U.S. is targeting China right now and uh, Hong Kong is part of that, they will do what they might do um, anything they want to do so, in the latest stage. But of course, we do not know what they are planning to do. Certainly, is the presidential elections period. I mean, Trump will do might do whatever uh, he can do to favor that might favor his elections and targeting on China and targeting Hong Kong. Um, we, we we do not know yet. Certainly, I, I think. He will keep doing something that's hurting Hong Kong or hurting China for yeah. the elections. 
Simon Wong, what about that point about you know dual labelling? Would you, if this goes ahead, would you just drop the uh, the made in Hong Kong label on your brand, or would you have a separate uh, branding for the uh, for the US market? Well, actually, um, for our marketing purposes, uh, we are at, uh, doing some kind of uh, rebranding uh, of our products. Uh, I have already asked my marketing department. Uh, to rework on the design of our products um, so that, uh, well, it, well, we have to label it. If we have to label it uh, as a made-in-China product, but then we, have to, we can do some kind of design or, or, or the work on um, some graphics or whatever, you know, uh, to emphasize that our products are... Uh, a Hong Kong product, and uh, although it's made in China, we we we, we can do we can make a, a very little uh, characters on these kind of labels. But then we can enlarge our uh, you know the, uh, 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 Hong Kong brand. Yeah. Is this is this, you know, is this separatist uh, coffee you're making here? <laughs> well, yeah, the uh, the the three-in-one product, uh, including coffee, tea, or yinyang, as you say, is made in uh, Hong Kong in our factory in in Hong Kong. Uh, but then we also encounter some kind of confusion because, uh, like Felix said, uh, the uh, country of origin issue. Um, well, first of all, Hong Kong can um, you know the issue uh, the country of uh, origin certificate to uh, companies like us uh, for products selling overseas. Uh, but then uh, if uh, these products are now claimed to be made in China, I don't think um, uh, Hong Kong has the right to issue this kind of uh, certificate to certify that uh, this product is made in China. Uh, so the, the, well, we have to ask uh, Ever the Secretary uh, to clarify uh, on this uh, issue. Mm. And um, I also think that uh, this kind of issue, I, whether we can um, you know, to, uh, solve it by um, you know, accusing uh, the U.S. government uh, to, to, you know, like, um, can we go to the international court or jury uh, in Hague or in Helsinki or whatever, you know. Like in Hong Kong, is an independent member of WTO. And uh, the U.S. government um, is not following the rules. And uh, they don't honor this kind of uh, arrangement. Okay. Uh, probably the U.S. government is trying to, you know, even they, they want to uh, keep away from WTO themselves. Mm. So this is the the, 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 the the story. But I, well, for us, um, we don't have uh, a big effect on our business, uh, and also, you know, our pro our market is mainly now in in China, in Southeast Asia, in in and in other countries. Okay, uh, we're joined now by uh, Andrew Lung, international. Hi, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Lung. Thanks for, for for joining us once again. Okay, here's two two interesting comments from uh, listeners, which are kind of contrasting. 
uh, but they're both kind of interesting in their way. Uh, Matthew says, the pragmatism of patriots really knows no bounds. One minute, Hong Kong is an inseparable part of the CCP's China, and they're cheering us rapidly towards one country, one system, arresting anyone who dares to disagree. The next minute, they're deeply offended by the suggestion that things made in Hong Kong are made in China. How does this work? Shouldn't they be celebrating this as an advancement, and even choosing to proudly, patriotically, and correctly label their items as made in China? So weird. That comes from Matthew. And then Andrew F. says, uh, Good work by Joshua Wong and his chums, who repeatedly claimed they were concerned about the loss of Hong Kong's unique culture and identity being obliterated by mainland China. You lobbied successfully for this law. Take a bow. Job done. That's uh, Andrew F. being ironic about uh, Joshua Wong. Uh, <coughs> Andrew, what's your take? Do you agree with either of those? Uh, you're asking me? Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I think that this is, first of all, the um, uh, make-in-China uh, kind of label force on Hong Kong uh, is an exaggeration. Uh, in fact, it's a fallacy in the sense that uh, Hong Kong um, separate status in the WTO is recognized by the WTO, and, and then because of the um, um, uh, remonstrations uh, of, of American action, the WTO has declared uh, the American action is uh, contrary to WTO rules, um, and 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 just saying, well, Hong Kong is the same as mainland China. Then I mean, uh, uh, then everything should be equated to mainland China. I mean, of course, our, our, uh, the, the way the people live in Hong Kong are very different from mainland China. The, 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 the um, uh, saying that Hong Kong is 100 percent equal to China is is a, is, a, is a pure fabrication. So I think that Hong Kong really um, has uh, recognized a separate status in not only in the WTO, in the United Nations, the, uh, the recent uh, announcement of the Human Development Index, uh, Hong Kong's uh, score pretty high, uh, extremely high, in the International Human Development Index, recognized by the United Nations as a separate um, territory. Um, so um, in answer to the earlier comments, um, um, from certain members of the public. Uh, the reason is, of course, that Hong Kong is still uh, enjoying one country, two systems in many ways. Um, and, and Hong Kong, as I said, has a, a separately recognized status, not only in the WTO, uh, but in the, uh, in the scheme of things, uh, like the, the Human Development Index and in the United Nations. But does it, doesn't uh, that, Now, does... I think that this is a time that Hong Kong really should stand up for our rights. Um, no, we, we, we shouldn't uh, accept this kind of uh, bullying um, and, 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 and the rule of the jungle. We, in fact, that what the United States is doing is imposing the rule of the jungle uh, on almost everybody um, in, in the name of American first. Yeah. And I think this is the time that Hong Kong really should stand up our own right. Yeah, but I mean, um, Hong Kong is getting rolled into the GBA, and it's going to be one morph. Uh, the only legitimate source of power in well, Hong Kong is the Communist Party of China, and the Sino-British Declaration is a, a historical relic. Y you could see how people in America might get the impression that well, China has decided that there is no distinction the anymore. Kind of, the kind of um, uh, feeling in the United States, because if you look at the recent survey of American public opinion, uh, the majority of the American people have a negative view um, uh, of uh, China. 
Uh, I think that this is, stems from a grave misreading, a misjudgment uh, of what China is all about. Now, China is not a bed of roses, by all means. Uh, it's uh, a lot of failings, a lot of things live to be desired. But there are things that, a lot of things China is doing uh, extremely well, um, like the eventually, you know, getting itself up uh, out uh, of the, uh, the, 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 the pandemic, um, but also lifting so many people out of poverty. Um, I think that this is uh, the kind of black and white mentality um, that really turns the whole world, world upside down. Um, and what is more important is the, is the whole world is, needs to be governed uh, by some, you know, sort of um, international multilateral rules rather than rules dictated by any single country. Um, and, and if it is dictated by any single country, it's like the lion in the jungle. So we're back to the rules of the jungle, which but, is not very good for the world. Okay, so we've just got a couple of minutes before, before the news at nine. Felix Chung, finally. So it looks like Edward Yao is definitely kind of sticking up and taking this to the WTO yeah, right. and fighting the corner and everything like that. Presumably you would be supporting him all the way. Well, yes, certainly. Especially, you know, China already won the case. Uh, China made the complaint or to the United States on the illegal uh, charging or the additional uh, import tariff. I mean, if that is um, uh, a winning case, I, I think Hong Kong uh, will certainly uh, win in this case too. Okay, well, uh, Felix Chung, Liberal Party leader and also textiles and garment sector lawmaker, many thanks for joining us and many thanks to, to uh, Simon Wong, uh, known for his uh, uh, the uh, restaurant trade, restaurant and retail trade, but he's also chairman of the Campery Group, a company uh, based here that specialises, as we've been hearing, in that coffee, mm -hmm. tea, ying yang and, and uh, also uh, in wine. Uh, Andrew Lung is going to stay with us and we're also going to be joined in a moment by uh, Christopher Wong, general manager of the local beer manufacturer Carbon Brews. Later, so we're also going to be talking about the new Japanese Prime Minister, what's on uh, his agenda with uh, an analyst from the Economist Intelligence Unit. And of course, as ever, we want to hear from you. 233-88266 is the number. Or you can uh, comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Share your thoughts there. Or email us and our address is backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your comments. The weather forecast before the news now at 9. It's going to be mainly cloudy with occasional rain and a few squally thunderstorms. Maximum temperature about 30 degrees and the outlook occasional heavy rain and squally thunderstorms during the weekend and still a few showers around early next week as well 28 degrees at the moment and the relative humidity 89 percent Welcome back, Back Chat, this Friday morning with Andrew Work and me, Hugh Chewerton. We're talking about the Made in Hong Kong label. What kind of future uh, does it have? This is uh, after uh, America said that uh, it was not going to accept goods that were labelled as uh, Made in Hong Kong. They should be uh, labelled as uh, Made in China. Uh, the administration, Hong Kong administration, is uh, fiercely objecting and uh, taking the case to the WTO rules for infringing uh, the, to the WTO uh, itself for infringing uh, their rules and rights as a system, a separate customs uh, entity. Uh, we're talking, uh, chewing the matter over this morning with uh, Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist, former Director General of Social Welfare. We're also joined now by Christopher Wong, General Manager of a local beer manufacturer, Carbon Brews. Later, we're also going to be looking at uh, what's on the new Japanese Prime Minister's uh, plate uh, as he uh, steps up to replace Shinzo Abe. We'll be talking about uh, that with an analyst from the Economist Intelligence Unit. As ever, we want to hear from you. Backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. A couple of comments on our Facebook page. 
Andrew says the US can choose to put Hong Kong in the same tax category as the rest of China, but the Hong Kong label could remain the same, surely as a mark of quality control by a Hong Kong-based manufacturer. Uh, and Andrew has some pictures of uh, Fred Perry shirts. Uh, it says, do these brands need a made-in-the-UK label when sold in the US? They're marked as made-in-England rather than uh, the UK. Yeah, England is, I guess, not a separate... Uh, it's interesting, yes, uh, interesting yes. take. Uh, and not by any means a separate entity uh, in that way. And uh, uh, Wendy says, why not just change made in Hong Kong to made in Hong Kong, comma, China? Uh, your thoughts welcome. Backchatter.rthk.hk is our email address. Let's go now to perhaps to uh, uh, Christopher Wong, general manager of a local beer manufacturer, Carbon Brews, who, who joins us. Mr. Wong, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Hi, thanks so much indeed for joining us. All right, l- advert first of all. T- tell us about your, your beer. How good is it? <laughs> tell us about your <laughs> the, the product. What, what, and what, why don't we have samples for yeah, the show? Yeah, why don't we have samples? And, yeah, uh, I mean, and where, where do you sell it? <laughs> yeah, so we, we are a local brand. Uh, we're one of the newest local breweries in Hong Kong, Carbon Brews. Uh, how good is it? We are, we are I think, rated the, the top in, in the online beer rating platforms uh, by numbers. Um, we do a lot of... Uh, innovative beer styles, the beers that, you know, taste like strawberry milkshakes or just downright to your classic IPAs, which a lot of them are, are influenced by, by West beer styles. And you can get our beers at uh, a lot of places, all the tap rooms, the great restaurants in Hong Kong, also on-premises at um, the major uh, uh, premium supermarkets. And do you want to export? Do you export at the moment? Uh, we do currently export to, to Japan. Uh, we did Australia as well, uh, Austria even, um, and, and, and to Taiwan. <clears throat> and, and, and U.S. is always uh, something that we have um, in, in, in our plans. Uh, recently, we did get some orders as well, but it hasn't happened yet. And do you play up the Hong Kong character? I mean, I mean, the word carbon doesn't scream Hong Kong, but do you, do you play it up in your marketing <laughs> or branding? Yes, we do. So we are in a... Uh, so carbon, actually, the, the, the word rhymes for a, a location in Hong Kong, uh, Fortan. Near Chatin, mm. um, out there, and uh, we we uh, are in employees-driven uh, company, meaning that even though our brand name doesn't spell Hong Kong, every single beer is made and voted by all the employees. So it's all the way from people who actually live in Hong Kong. Okay, and and that kind of local identity is important, is it for your for your product? Yes, yeah. So it's, it's important to our product, also important, I guess, to the entire craft beer industry is beer. Beer is a very kind of local product. It's always, you know, meant to be drank fresh. It always has a very strong kind of local uh, culture. So even when we go out uh, to the beer festival, we get invited to these international beer festivals. Uh, even though our local doesn't say Hong Kong, but every everything about our our brand sells Hong Kong, tastes like Hong Kong. We even have local ingredients in our beer as well. Right. Mm. So at the moment, you don't sell to the U.S., but you'd like to in in, in future. So yeah. what what are your thoughts on the, this this uh, controversy or this move by the U.S. to uh, yeah. take away this label? It's uh, I mean to, to us, it's a, it's a kind of like a brand dilution uh, uh, thing. Like uh, the, the whole made in Hong Kong to me is is already a brand, and us choosing to uh, to to start a brand in Hong Kong. Um, that that also kind of like we think it dilutes everything. It's almost like suddenly you have the uh, rest- restaurants working very hard uh, to get a midweek free star, and then suddenly changes the rules for a certain certain group of customers. It becomes just Michelin approved, and everyone above one star, two star, three star doesn't matter. 
I mean, does it like? I mean, Simon Wong was on the first part of the show. He said he he was going to put his marketing department to work. I mean, can you not just write something on the side that says "proudly made in Fo Tan, Hong Kong," and then you know, in like the six point font on the fine print that you have to have, it says "made in China." Yeah, yeah, we we <laughs> we even joked about making a beard name just called "Made in Hong Kong." Um, <laughs> put that on, on, on the label, <laughs> which hopefully might happen someday. So, um, uh, I'm also part of another brand that we did receive some some recent orders to, to ship out uh, the shipment to the U.S. Uh, we are still working on it because the rules are still a bit uh, un- unclear. Everything's so new, and not to speak of us being our first order. So generally, just shipping anything into the U.S. is already a bit 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 difficult uh, for food products, and now just adding on an extra layer of uncertainty. And, and I guess the uncertainty raises the chance of some random customs officer stopping your product at the border, which could be a real problem. Yeah, for sampling, yeah, totally. No. <laughs> uh, gotcha. you, uh, is it, what's it like being a manufacturer in in, in uh, Hong Kong? It's, 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 you're yeah, quite a rare breed now, aren't you? It's a, it's, it's a rare breed. I mean, it, it, it kind of ties back to that, that dilution thing I was talking about. You know, it, 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 choosing to start a business in Hong Kong is... Uh, it's one of the most uh, um, difficult places to, to, to start a business. Um, there are, I mean, compared to many other other cities or, or, or countries, uh, it's just you know you have high rent. Uh, it's not the city built for for manufacturing anymore in 2020. Uh, but uh, craft beer itself uh, gave us a lot of uh, hope, you know, that you can actually still make something in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and, and and all the raw ingredients you typically use to make beer. Are well uh, are commodities that could be well stored, meaning that we can actually source the top quality ingredients uh, uh, to make the top quality beer. So, mm-hmm. so uh, th- this is something I never thought about until we got into the industry that you can actually make best beer in the world in Hong Kong, uh, and while 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 still being uh, financially feasible, it's very difficult. Uh, the way we make beer compared to let's say a U.S. brewery. Uh, to us, uh, ingredients don't even matter. Like the, the, if, whether you put the top quality ingredient in there or it's twice as expensive, it doesn't matter because most of your beer cost goes to your rent, your overheads, uh, your, your, your salary, utilities. Mm. So which, which to, to the manufacturer becomes a very nice scenario because then you can focus on premium products and you don't have to, you know, like count uh, your, your pennies on how many hops you put in there and such and such. So we, we definitely do have a very fast-paced growth in Hong Kong and mm. we start very premium and we're making yeah top-notch so, beer in the world if, if you can cover the rent the hops the, the cost of the hops and the yeast doesn't really matter christopher where, where did you learn the craft are you from hong kong yes yes i grew up in hong kong uh but i did learn the craft in uh, san francisco i spent some time working there uh i was a home brewer okay uh, but i did get my my professional training in brewing in, in japan from a brewery well you've been around and where, where do you get your ingredients from could you could you mm. could you label your your beers as you know, having having content from other places, depending on where the uh, the barley or the the other ingredients are from. Uh, so we don't label them because they're practically from all over the world, other than the water that we're getting from our taps, right? Okay. Uh, so we have we have uh, malts that are coming from Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have hops coming in mainly from from the West Coast, uh, the U.S. Mm. Uh, we have yeast that's coming from from U.S. or or some of them are harvest wild, uh, just in Hong Kong air. Uh, and then we have, you know, many other 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 spices. Uh, and some hops come from the UK as well. So it's, it's practically from everywhere around the world, just like any any other um, any other F and B 
kind of kind of brand that you see in Hong Kong. They, they, they try to source the best. Can I can I drag you? Anything. Can I drag you into the politics of this? Do you do you support? Do you think Edward Yao is 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 right to fight Hong Kong's corner on this? It's important, or I, I think it, I think it, it is it is it is very important because, uh, like I said, it's super hard to start a brand in in in, in this this place and hmm. and just diluting it. You know, it's kind of makes you think why 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 start a brand here then. Are you surprised that he's able to go and take such a strong line when, you know, supposedly everybody in the government's supposed to be in the we're all part of China now line? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> I, in, in, in 2020, I'm not really surprised to see anything happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially for us. I mean, we don't have an immediate uh, uh, worry because we haven't uh, exported yet. Mm. It is, it is uh, to me, it's, it's, it's disappointing uh, that, that, that things have happened, but uh, like you said, there's, there's ways to get around it, I think, um, like making a beer that's called made in Hong Kong. Yeah. Andrew Lung, you know, you could argue, I mean, because Edward Yao himself has said that uh, Hong Kong made shipments to the U.S. were less than 0.1% of uh, gross exports, so actually a tiny yep. fraction. So, you know, in, in, in a sense, it's this doesn't matter very much, certainly in, in economic terms. Why, why is he making such a fuss about it? Oh, you're asking me why? Why? No, why sorry, I was asking Andrew Lowe. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. well, yeah. Um, I think it's very important because, um, he, uh, uh, after all, there are 7,400 manufacturers still in Hong Kong uh, in 2018, even though down by 2.65% from the year before. But then these manufacturers are concentrating on the high end in the sense that Hong Kong make in Hong Kong is quite different from being made in China. Um, and then the Hong Kong brand has been built for so many, over so many years. But that's um, uh, one thing. The other thing, of course, is the um, erosion uh, of our separate status in the WTO, if you're not careful. So I think that this is the time to stand up and be counted. Uh, and really, uh, there's an opportunity to mount a worldwide campaign uh, led perhaps by the TDC and the Chinese Manufacturer, uh, the Manufacturer Association and the Chambers of Commerce uh, to highlight the fact that as far as manufacturers is concerned, Hong Kong is really different from China. And a lot of products make in Hong Kong because of its higher quality. So this is an opportunity to mount a global campaign uh, to fight for our own rights and also to promote the Hong Kong brand. Because it, in spite of the fact that you describe in your products in details, in the small words, a lot of people don't study the background. They just look at the label and say, well, it's made in China, unless they're very familiar with your products, which is quite different. So that's an uphill battle by being labeled made in China. And I think that this is an opportunity for Hong Kong to really you know, start a global campaign uh, to promote the Hong Kong brand. Uh, you can see that, but you could also say that if you push too hard, then it's going to look like you're, you're not happy with China. With China. No, you're, no, you're, really. You're, like you're, from, you're complaining too much. Been part of China, um, but then on the trade issue, uh, on the um, uh, customs territory issue, Hong Kong has always been separate from China. In fact, it was put with China's support um, that Hong Kong gained a separate status in the, in the former GATT and even ahead of China. So let's not confuse the Hong Kong separate status uh, in the WTO uh, with Hong Kong's being part of China. The two are quite separate. Well, well they are, they're not really separate, are they? I mean, like you, like you say, you could have a big campaign, an international campaign, to sell Hong Kong products and stress the Hong Kongness of them and yeah. use whatever you know images you want and so on. But the more you do that, the more surely you're drawing a distinction between Hong Kong and China. That's, well, that, that would be the whole point. Hong Kong's very different 
China. Yeah. So China wants Beijing wants Hong Kong to be different from China. Yeah. It's only um, the kind of uh, exaggeration and the travesty of truth uh, that that other countries try to lump Hong Kong, you know, and, 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 and together with uh, China in all ways. Well, China and does that. In, in terms of sovereignty, <laughs> Hong Kong is part of China, but in terms of separate customs territory on which we fought very hard, and of course with China's backing, um, Hong Kong has been fighting very hard for a separate status in the form of okay. But you know perfectly well, these are all overlapping things, aren't they? The, the cultural identity, the language question, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the well, politics, the trade, they, they all... Very different. But they it, it's consistent. It's, it, China. And yeah. mainland China doesn't want Hong Kong to be the same as mainland China either. Well, it, it is consistent because, you know, China for 30 years has always tried to divorce trade issues from human rights issues and political issues. They'll say, uh, you know, yeah, maybe we're locking up a million Uyghurs, but that should have nothing to do with trade. It shouldn't impact on it. And that exactly. type of thinking extends to Hong Kong. They're like, you know, listen, uh, when it comes to national security legislation or, you know, policing protests, it's China and we take our line and that shouldn't uh, yeah, it shouldn't exactly. be connected. Trade, but trade politics is but it, you know, the Western countries, of course, see that differently. They see everything as, as being connected to each other. No, I think that the, 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 uh, the people who know um, in the United States and other Western countries can separate um, the manufacture and trade uh, from politics. Now, I think that this is the kind of rhetoric uh, that is promoted in the, in, in the United States and other parts of the world, uh, that somehow, you know, Hong Kong is 100% the same as the mainland, um, including you know, the way of life, uh, including um, uh, our laws. You know, our laws are very, very different, even though with the imposition of the national security law, it's quite different. So um, and I think that this is the time for Hong Kong to stand up and be counted, and also to avoid the spread of the rule of the jungle. Okay, uh, just a couple more comments uh, from listeners on Facebook. Barbara says, how about made in Hong Kong of China? And uh, BR says... Uh, what does Hong Kong actually fully manufacture? From my experience in trading in and with Hong Kong, uh, most products are actually fully or partly made in China. I also know it's common to only do repackaging in Hong Kong for putting on the Made in Hong Kong label, regardless of how much the value chain is based in Hong Kong. And he says, while I feel sorry for the guy making beer in Hong Kong, that's you, Christopher Wong, I notice he also said Hong Kong is no longer a city for manufacturing and his type of business is atypical. That's from BR. Christopher Wong, do you want to comment on that? Uh, definitely, definitely atypical. I mean, but we're very happy to be able to manufacture him pretty much from scratch. Uh, you're taking raw materials um, that are that are completely in different format and you're putting and making it into a completely different product when it comes out. So but one of the few uh, remaining factories working in Hong Kong, I mean, even if our, if you go to come to our brewery one day, you'll see that, that building um, where one of the few is left. The other ones have been converted into um, office buildings. However, we do see uh, lots of room for growth. I would say right now we're only at 2% of the beer market, and if you benchmark other countries, we can go up to 20%. So um, we're very few, or atypical, but there's still a lot of room for growth and okay. volume. Yeah, and we have had an explosion of, uh, well, I wouldn't say an explosion, but we have definitely had a, the birth of uh, and development of a craft beer industry in Hong Kong. You're, you're not the only one. I mean, there's others out there. Yeah, and we're all doing it together, and we still see a long way to go. And they sell the Hong Kongness very much, don't they? Oh, I do. They, I, I do my best to support on. them in that. I, you know, every, I every every chance I get.
brave man. Christopher Wong, thank you very much indeed for joining us, General Manager of uh, Carbon Brews, local beer manufacturer. And thank you once again to Andrew Lung, International and Independent China Strategist, former Director General of Social Welfare uh, in Hong Kong. Thanks for joining us this morning and for all your, for your comments. Finally today, as mentioned, we wanted to look to uh, Japan and uh, catch up on there. We talked a little bit about the uh, surprise resignation of uh, Shinzo Abe. Well, now the Parliament has elected uh, Yoshihide Suga as the country's new Prime Minister. Uh, how close is he to Abe? What's his future like? What's going to happen, of course, with the Olympics as well? We're joined now by Wakas Adamwala, who's an Asia analyst with the Economist Intelligence Unit. Mr. Adamwala, good morning to you. Thank you for very much indeed for, for, for joining us. So, uh, Yoshida Suga, not a name that many people will know outside uh, Japan. Can you introduce him? What sort, what sort of person is he and uh, how did he get to be Prime Minister? is actually uh, one of Abe's closest confidants and his aide. He actually serves as Chief Cabinet Secretary for the entirety of Abe's second term from 2012 onwards until last week. So, uh, yes, for people outside Japan, he's less well-known. He did not serve in a ministry which is more prominent, which is the Foreign Ministry, Defence Ministry. But he is actually one of the best men to reflect continuity and perpetuity of policies that were started by Shinzo Abe. Uh, effectively, as the Chief Cabinet Secretary, he was the main spokesman, spokesperson for the Prime Minister's office. So within Japan, yes, he was appearing on the television at least once a day, communicating the, office, the, the Prime Minister's office's view. But outside Japan, Japan, like I said, his his ministry and his position was not so prominent and outward facing. People will often not really know what his views are. Yeah, because he held a lot of posts that were involved in, in kind of running the party, as it were. Is that right? Yes, that's true. So he was often the person who would be brokering deals behind the scenes. Uh, the ruling LDP, the Liberals Party, has a lot of factions as well, but a lot of sub, uh, views within the same party. And Mr. Suga was the person who would often be coordinating those views, ensuring that at least there's intra-party unity, um, which is one of the reasons why he emerged as one of the strongest candidates in the leadership contest, which took place earlier on Monday, and of course then. So, yes, he's actually one of the persons who would be able to at least hold the party together, at least in the interim. And he's, he's got a little bit of experience in, in retail politicking as well. I understand that in uh, you know one, one of the uh, recent elections where the LDP didn't do so well, uh, a lot of LDP members lost their seats, but apparently he was very good at getting out in the street, pressing, uh, pressing the flesh and meeting the people and, uh, you know, did, did much better than a lot of other people in his party. That's true. So, yes, uh, when you talk about all these people, it's about the factual politics that you would often say. For instance, Kishida was one of those whose candidates and the people he was supporting did do so well. He was one of the candidates that uh, were competing against uh, Suga in the leadership contest. So, yes, Suga is per, uh, supposedly one of the people who has a clout of the opponents, but in general, and yes, people now do have more faith in the fact that he can continue obvious policies with some degree of continuity. Um, Times are obviously unprecedented. People want some degree of stability. They also don't want to see Japan returning to the revolving door of prime ministers, with one each one serving for just a year. Uh, Special opposition, so Abe was the strongest man in Japan, serving for almost eight years in the second term. So definitely, they saw Suga as being a candidate who can actually at least ensure that during a crisis like now, 
we have they have some degree of continuity, which is again the, the word I keep repeating because that's exactly what they were looking for in Suga. But Asuga was the advisor, and Abe was the the you know kind of the leader and the the front man and the strong one. Although, as you do say, Suga was on TV every day speaking for the prime minister's office. Is he going to have the same strength of character and authority to uh, kind of impose that Abe vision on the rest of cabinet and the different factions within the LDP? I mean, you know, if, if he maintains the same cabinet, or is he going to shuffle the cabinet? You know, will he be able to control the strong leaders within that who might want a shot at the top job themselves? So he did actually shuffle the cabinet on Wednesday as soon as he became the Prime Minister. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very balanced cabinet. Uh, the, the LDP has seven major factions, and there are some affiliated members, just like Mr. Zuga himself, who are not affiliated to any faction. Uh, he made sure that the cabinet is fairly well balanced, it reflects the size of each faction. Uh, that ensures that he wants to maintain intra-party unity. The downside is, yes, and you have such a balanced cabinet, policy-making will boil down the lowest common denominator. Uh, so, yes, it will be a hard work, harder work for Sugo. He has actually got a long journey ahead of him to be able to ensure that at least all of the members uh, of factions are on the same page. Uh, Shinzo Abe had it slightly easier for him because he came back for his second term to be much stronger than ever. Sugo will have to earn that, and that will take time, especially in a situation where LDP's reputation has recovered. But if you see the opinion polls, they show that, yes, uh, our base poll ratings during the middle of the ter- during the middle of 2020 were fairly low, and they shot at, as soon as he resigned. But in the first few poll ratings for Suga and his cabinet also show a very high rating, so people do have high expectations of him. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course, for one of the items on his uh, to-do list is going to be the Olympics, sorting out that. <laughs> What's the latest thinking? What's the, what, what are the plans uh, for the Olympics next year? So if you look at the Olympic uh, the polls around the people for the Olympics, they're fairly mixed. The third of them are content that, yes, they've been delayed to 2021. Another third thinks they should be delayed by another year. And then another third thinks they should be cancelled outright. So... The people are definitely mixed because if you look at the situation in Japan, the coronavirus has been relatively uh, contained compared to other G7 economies. Uh, the concern, in my opinion, is not just about what the situation on the ground in Japan. Uh, it's also about what the situation is in the rest of the world because for the Olympics, you have all, all these uh, athletes coming in from all parts of the world. So will that mean that all the athletes who come in have to be quarantined at two weeks before they come into Japan and another two weeks when they come to Japan? Um, all these issues will actually make hosting the Olympics a lot more difficult, not just because of what the situation is on the ground in Japan, but about how fast and widely have the vaccines been rolled out if one is available. Uh, these are the situations, in my opinion, that are complicated more so than what Japan can do, because Japan has been able to control the coronavirus fairly well within its own territory. It depends more about how the rest of the world can do mm. it, because imagine people from all over the world coming in, a few of them have it again, and they all go back home eventually after events are over. That could again be another situation where you could have another crisis going up. Yeah, I mean, or, or they could, you know, take lessons from the National Hockey League or the, the NBA about, you know, having an Olympic bubble uh, might be the way to go forward on that. Um, well, I guess I'm just wondering, where where do we go in terms of Japan's leadership in this part of the world? Uh, you know, Japan seemed to be stepping up in recent years to lead in establishing uh, multinational trade agreements, you know, where, where the United States was withdrawing its leadership. Japan seemed to step up on those fronts, uh, whether it's, you know, trade agreements facing up to China. 
where is Suga going to be on these things? I hear he's a bit of a tough guy. He does a hundred sit-ups in the morning, a hundred sit-ups uh, at night. So he's you know <laughs> he's got some core strength. But but how is he going? To, is is he going to provide the kind of international leadership that Japan seemed to be moving towards? Uh, he has to step up to the game. Yes, absolutely. But unfortunately, unlike Abe, he has not been so visible on the international arena. The other side uh, is also that if you have not, if, if since Abe was uh, in the position for such a long time, he did manage to form a reputation for himself as being the person, as being the face of Japan, especially after a period when each case was there for just six a year each. Um, Abe also had a very close relationship with Donald Trump, which is rather unique. So effectively, Donald Trump has lost his only leader friend in the world, Suga will have to carve all those relationships from scratch. He hasn't got a background in foreign politics. He hasn't got a background in defense contracts and uh, trade ministry either. So he will have to carve this reputation for himself from scratch, which is, again, a long road ahead. But if he says that he wants to continue with the same policies of his dude, and if he delivers, then what he, all he has to do is basically stick to the same playbook. For now, with international travel at the bare minimum, yes, you can see, you know, that he will be delegating a lot of tasks to people involved in those aspects. So, for instance, the finance minister is the same as last cabinet, Tarato. You also have Tosumitsu Motegi, who is going to be the trade minister, who's actually served in the you know, foreign ministry as well. So you have all a lot of state faces from the past cabinet who have been engaged in such trade deals elsewhere in general and also the multilateral trade deals. So... Yes, he has the cabinet which can support him in these goals. For his own part, he will just have to be able to break through and carve the tradition, which is, again, something that can only be done over time. And is he likely to be closer to China or closer to Washington or same as Abe? Uh, that's again going to be a balancing act. The same as Abe, I would say. Yes, they'll be testing times with China. Uh, it's flexing its muscle. Uh, with Trump, too, there were, the times are rather unprecedented in the U.S.-Japan alliance. So they'll have to play a fairly balanced, uh, a balanced game in that sense of diplomatic relations because, again, China is the biggest trading partner, like it is for a lot of Asian countries. But with the U.S., the security alliance is far too important as well, especially when you look at it to a context about North Korea being in the background as well. So um, I don't think Japan will be rocking the boat anytime soon by disrupting this sort of balance anytime soon. Okay, quick one before we go at the end of the show. From child of strawberry farmers to the first prime minister of the Rewa era, is he a one-year transitional prime minister or is he going to be sticking around for a while? What's your call?
Okay. Waka Sikad Nwara, many thanks for joining us this morning. Aisha Anas with the Economist Intelligence Unit. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Always uh, a pleasure. Andrew Work. The other Andrew. Andrew, this is an email from uh, 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 Charles who says, uh, this Andrew Leung wants to win all sides. Politics and trade are all interlinking. You can see many examples today. Wine, Australia's saga is a good example. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, for that comment, for many thanks to our producer, as of uh, Michelle. We'll be back at 8.30 on uh, Monday. We're going to be talking about the Lantau Tomorrow Project. That's uh, uh, returning to uh, consideration, and we'll be sorting that out on Monday morning. I hope you can join us then. The weather, before we go now, many cloudy with occasional rain and a few squally thunderstorms. Temperatures up to 30 degrees. And the outlook, occasional heavy rain and squally thunderstorms during the weekend and still a few showers around early next week. 29 degrees now and the humidity 86%. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, try flexible working hours and staggered meal breaks. Wear a mask on public transport. Avoid crowded lifts. Try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face -face contact with colleagues. Avoid meal gatherings. Stay away from crowds after work. Wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean. If you feel unwell, stay away from work and see your doctor. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. 933, the news with Pierre Tremblay. The Department of Justice says it's lodging an appeal against the acquittal of Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai two weeks ago over accusations of criminal intimidation by a reporter from a rival newspaper. The number of officially recorded COVID-19 cases across the globe has reached almost 30 million. According to figures from Johns Hopkins University in the United States, more than 940,000 people worldwide have died with the disease since it first emerged in China late last year. The worst affected countries remain the United States, India and Brazil. A former member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force has strongly criticized Donald Trump's response to the pandemic, accusing him of caring for no one but himself. Olivia Troy, who was also an advisor to the U.S. Vice President Mike Pence until last month, said Mr. Trump had played down the impact of the virus. Next news at 10. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? Well, not too bad at all. Good morning. Good morning. You never Facebook chat with me? Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. And welcome to Friday. Hello, good morning. Great to be back with you. Well, slowly but surely, with the stress on slowly, live performances are returning to the stages of Hong Kong. So, to Abbott at 10.10 today, going to meet theatre director Wu Hai Fei. His company, Pants Theatre Production, is bringing 